we're going through some of uh, introducing Isaiah in Sunday school, and Lord willing, we'll start uh, sermons in Isaiah relatively soon. And uh, so uh, we've been taking some Sunday school lessons to look at some introduction and background. So we've looked at a lot of historical background. That's our, our focus the last few weeks. And uh, we are not going to be doing more of that. So no more maps today, no uh, Assyrian archaeology today. Uh, but we're going to look at Isaiah and uh, one theme, at least maybe we'll do more later. But we're going to look at what I think is the, the main theme of Isaiah and get the big picture overview of Isaiah before we go verse by verse preaching through it. And so uh, the main theme of Isaiah is Zion. Zion. And so many of you probably know the term Zion. Uh, maybe you've heard of Zionism. Anybody know what that is? Anybody want to say what you Right. So it was the, the movement, it started as the movement, uh, late 1800s, early 1900s, to get Israel to be its own state, the, the state of Israel, the nation of Israel. Uh, so that was called Zionism. Um, and then among some people, there is still what people call Christian Zionism. Anybody want to guess what that is? John. <laughs> Opposite. <laughs> so it would be the, the idea that we need to get the Jews to go back to Israel. We need to rebuild Israel. Uh, Christians need to make sure the temple is rebuilt because they believe that's going to bring in the end times. That's going to bring in the millennium of Christ. So that's, that was you know, a pretty big movement. There are people around still today who are uh, working on that sort of thing. It's not something that I would agree with, but uh, Christian Zionism is that idea that uh, move back to Israel, uh, rebuild Jerusalem. Uh, so we'll talk about what Zion is here in, in the Bible, in Isaiah. Um, all of the, this term Zionism comes from the word Zion which is used 154 times in the Old Testament. So 154 times in the Old Testament, 47 times it's used in Isaiah. So you can see that uh, almost a third of the uses of the term Zion are just in Isaiah. And then we have 38 in the Psalms. So usually Psalms or Isaiah, you'll, you'll find talk about Zion. So it's a theme that comes up in Isaiah over and over again, and that's why I think as, as you listen to sermons, it might help to have a better idea of what Zion is. Now, as to why we should care, aside from the fact that it's in the Bible, why should we care to learn about Zion? Well, it's because that is our home as Christians. Uh, so turn to Psalm 87. Uh, Psalm 87, and this is one of the songs of Zion. Uh, 
And it says, I'll read verses 1 and 2. Psalm 87, verse 1, On the holy mount stands the city he founded. The Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwelling places of Jacob. So the Lord loves Zion, but then uh, uh, go down to verse 4. Among those who know me, this is um, God, among those who know God, I mention Rahab and Babylon. Behold, Philistia and Tyre with Cush. This one was born there, they say. And of Zion it shall be said, this one and that one were born in her. For the Most High himself will establish her. The Lord records as he registers the peoples, this one was born there. And so if you are a Christian, uh, you were born in Zion. Uh, spiritually, when you were born again, uh, you were born as a citizen of a new country, a new place, the city of God called Zion. And so we could say that you have a passport, and on your passport, it says Zion. That's where you belong. That is your home. That's where you're from. So you should care about Zion because that's your home. We should want to learn about it. What, what does God say about it? What's going to happen with our home, our home country? Uh, we should have our identity based on the fact that we are citizens of Zion. So there's a, a, a man who writes about Isaiah. His name is Alec Matir, and it's spelled M-O-T-Y-E-R. If you ever want to get a book, um, he, he has a devotional book called Isaiah by the Day, where he goes through daily devotionals through Isaiah. And uh, this is what he says about this theme. He says, Isaiah could be accurately described as the book of the city. The book of the city. And so in Isaiah, we see mainly four terms that all mean the same thing. We see Jerusalem, Zion, mountain, and city. Jerusalem, Zion, mountain, city. So that's why he says it's the book of the city. Sometimes he calls it Jerusalem. Sometimes he just calls it the city. Sometimes he calls it the mountain of the Lord. Sometimes he calls it Zion. And so if you look, you see 47 times Zion in, in the book of Isaiah, but then also you see everywhere how he mentions Jerusalem and the mountain and the city, then you're going to discover it's all over the book of Isaiah. So let's start talking about Zion. Uh, it started out as the city of David, and you can look, turn to 2 Samuel chapter 5 where we see the first mention of this name Zion. Second uh, Samuel chapter five, David was reigning in Hebron and then he conquers uh, Jerusalem, which was a city that belonged to these Jebusites. Uh, it was the city of Salem that long ago Melchizedek was king of Salem. Uh, so it was, a, it was a small city, and then David conquers this city uh, called Jerusalem at this point. And so 2 Samuel 5, verse 7 says, Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion, that is, the city of David. So that's the first time we get this name Zion to refer to Jerusalem. 
So in David's day, it's just a 12-acre city. It's kind of hard to picture. Uh, some, peop some people have property. Their home is on 12 acres. So imagine a city that is only 12 acres. And it's a population of 1,000. So when David conquers this city, there's really nothing impressive about it. But by the time of Isaiah, which is 200, 250 years later, um, it is much bigger. It's 150 acres and 12,000 citizens. So still a lot bigger, but really not a very big city. Uh, and yet Jerusalem, or Zion, means more than just this physical little city. It takes symbolic meaning because David brings the ark to Jerusalem and God begins to dwell in Jerusalem. You go to worship God there in Jerusalem at the, temp at the temple that later Solomon is going to build. So Zion is the most important place on earth. Not because it's a great city, but because God is there, and you can go worship God there. So we can say that Zion is a microcosm of the world, and we're going to see that in Isaiah. And microcosm means, the word means little world. So what happens in Zion is a little picture of what happens in the whole world. So Zion is a microcosm of the world. God's plan was always that his glory would fill the earth. His plan was always the Garden of Eden, that he would walk among people uh, and be worshipped in perfection in paradise forever. And so that's always the plan that he is now working towards after Adam and Eve get cast out of Eden. And so Zion is just a little picture of what's going to happen in the whole world. So when Isaiah talks about Jerusalem, many times he's really talking about what's going to happen uh, in all of creation, and you'll see that in a minute. So let's uh, look at Isaiah, uh, turn first to chapter 1, and what we will see first is that um, the theme of Zion is the frame of the book. It's the bookends of the book. So he starts and he ends with the same message. And the message is judgment upon Zion, which leads to salvation for Zion. So judgment and salvation. So we'll see that at the beginning and the end. So let's look first in chapter 1. Um, we'll start in verse 7. Isaiah says, Your country lies desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. In your very presence, foreigners devour your land. It is desolate as overthrown by foreigners. And the daughter of Zion is left like a booth in a vineyard, like a lodge in a cucumber field, like a besieged city. I guess uh, their lodges in the cucumber fields, they did not keep them up in very good shape. So that's the point that he's making. Zion is left in ruins, okay? So why is this happening? Uh, we'll go down to verse 24 in chapter 1. 
verse 24, therefore, the Lord, uh, actually, let's, uh, verse 21, it's more clear. How the faithful city has become a whore, she who was full of justice, righteousness lodged in her, but now murderers. So why is this judgment? Why is Jerusalem desolate? It's because she's become unfaithful. So now, verse 24, therefore, the Lord declares, the Lord of hosts, the mighty one of Israel, ah, I will get relief from my enemies and avenge myself on my foes. I will turn my hand against you and will smelt away your dross as with lye and remove all your alloy. So God is going to judge Zion. But then verse 26, and I will restore your judges as at the first and your counselors as at the beginning. Afterward, you shall be called the city of righteousness the faithful city. So the faithless city will be restored and be the faithful city. And so you see Zion there is mentioned. Zion is the place, uh, it's mentioned in verse 27, that will be redeemed and that will become the faithful city. And then we go to chapter 2. And so in chapter 2, Isaiah sees this vision, uh, verse 2, it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills and all the nations shall flow to it. Um, So all nations will come to this restored Zion and they will worship God in Zion. So judgment, salvation, and then we see in chapter 2, the nations coming to worship God. So let's go to the end of the book. Let's go to chapter 65. Uh, Chapter 65, starting in verse 17. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come into mind, but be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem to be a joy and her people to be a gladness. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. No more shall be heard in it the sound of weeping, and the cry of distress. You can go down to verse 25. There's there's a lot we could say about all these verses, but we'll have to skip some. But verse 25, the wolf and the lamb shall graze together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox, and dust shall be the serpent's food. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, says the Lord. Now you see here, what's he talking about? Well, he says, I create new heavens and new earth. And then he talks about Jerusalem. And then he talks about his holy mountain. So does he mean in verse 25, it's only on top of the mountain that the wolf and the lamb will will lie together and down at the bottom of the mountain and in in the wilderness, they're all just eating each other apart and tearing each other apart. I don't think that's the idea. I don't think that's the point. 
I think what he's trying, what he's saying is that the microcosm is happening. What happens on his holy mountain is what's happening all over the earth. So what he calls Jerusalem, or his holy mountain, is the new heavens and new earth. And that's basically what we also see in Revelation, right? Uh, the new heavens and new earth comes down, and he says also the new Jerusalem comes down. And so what's happening in new Jerusalem, um, the praise of God is what's happening all over the new heavens and a new earth. Uh, notice also here in verse 17, he uses the word create. Uh, I create new heavens and new earth. Uh, that's the same word that's used in Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so just as he created the first time, he's creating a new heavens and a new earth. There's, there are different words. There are words like formed. Uh, Adam is formed out of dust, formed out of something that already exists. Um, he makes, that's another word that's used, he makes Eve out of the rib of Adam. And so those things are both using what already exists. But here he creates. It's a new creation. Uh, hearkening back to the sort of creating out of nothing. And so this is, I think, this is the, the new creation, the new heavens and the new earth. And you also see the reversing of the curse uh, in verse 23. Verse 23, they shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity. So the curse upon Eve is now reversed in this new heavens, new earth. And the curse on creation, verse 25, with the animals is also being reversed. So the way I interpret this passage is that this is describing the same thing as Revelation, that um, it's the, the final state, the final paradise where there is no death. So that's Zion. That's Jerusalem. Um, that's where Christians, that's where we are going to be, going to dwell. Then we see in chapter 66 uh, some of these thing, same themes. Um, so uh, I, will, I won't read the verses, but 7 to 14 mention Jerusalem. Um, verse 8 uses the word Zion. Zion was in labor. Verse 10, rejoice with Jerusalem. Uh, verse 13, you shall be comforted in Jerusalem. So I'm just showing, saying that because when we get to verse 15, this is also continuing describing Jerusalem. So verse 15, for behold, the Lord will come in fire and his chariots like the whirlwind to render his anger in fury and his rebuke with flames of fire. For by fire will the Lord enter into judgment, and by his sword with all flesh, and those slain by the Lord shall be many. It seems that he's continuing to describe how Jerusalem was going to be judged. And if we had time, you can go back to chapter 1, around verse 21, and, and it's, it's the same sort of description. Jerusalem is being purged. Um, 
Then, verse 19, this is chapter 66, from them, from the Jerusalem that is judged, I will send survivors to the nations. And I'll skip all the nations that he mentions. And verse 19 at the end, they shall declare my glory among the nations. So they declare his glory among the nations and then uh, all the nations come to the mountain of the Lord. So same thing as chapter one and chapter two. Jerusalem is judged and then um, here we have the, the people of Israel who are surviving the judgment. They go out and they preach declaring God's glory, and then the nations enter in. So here we have what Isaiah 2 is talking about. The nations enter in and are worshiping the Lord. So, of course, uh, some of, you know, depending on how you see the end times, there are different ways to interpret what's happening here. But here's how I read it, is that God's judgment happens when, first of all, Jerusalem is destroyed the first time in 587 BC. But then it gets rebuilt. And then in the time of Jesus, Jesus predicts that the temple is going to be destroyed. And so in 70 AD, uh, after Christ, uh, Rome comes and destroys uh, the temple. So the way that I interpret uh, all of this is that when Christ comes and technically the temple is not destroyed at that point, but, but uh, Jesus cleanses the temple and Jesus condemns the temple and he abolishes the old covenant, that is God's judgment on Jerusalem. And it starts. It starts at that point when they finally reject their Messiah, they put Christ to death, the temple is, is done, right? It's no longer part of God's plan. And so verse, um, verse 19, who goes out to the nations? Well, after Christ dies, the disciples who are Israelites, the apostles, they go out and they preach the gospel to the nations. They declare his glory among the nations. And then the more, the more they're persecuted, the more they get scattered. And then even when the temple is destroyed in the year 70, they scatter even more. And so the church of Christ, the Christian church, is built upon Israel, right? Uh, Jesus was a Jew. He was an Israelite and the disciples were Israelites. And those who rejected Christ were judged. But then uh, those who survived the judgment, they go out and preach God's glory among the nations. So that's where we are right now. Uh, we are the church, we are Zion, built upon the apostles, the apostles who are Israelites, you know, they're, they're Jews. And so right now we are declaring God's glory among the nations. The gospel is going out, through the church preaching the gospel and then what still hasn't happened is all the nations coming to worship God and so that's what we believe is going to happen one day all the nations will come 
worship God at his holy mountain, and it's what we call Zion. Okay, so tried to show you the beginning and the end of the book has the same point. And so you could say that's really the whole point of Isaiah. And this is what you're going to see over and over again. Jerusalem destroyed, Jerusalem judged, but then God saves. God saves his people. And all the nations are going to come through the people of God declaring his glory among the nations. So, um, we're going to look at, we won't go through this as, as much detail, but we're going to look at four truths about Zion that he said, that Isaiah tells us about. We've already basically talked about the first one. Um, but the first one is God's judgment, God's judgment on the city. So let's look up one, one more passage in Isaiah chapter 4. Isaiah chapter 4, 3 through 4. Uh, he who is left in Zion and remains in Jerusalem will be called holy. Everyone who has been recorded for life in Jerusalem, when the Lord shall have washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion and cleansed the bloodstains of Jerusalem from its midst by a spirit of judgment and a spirit of burning. So the Lord is going to judge and cleanse Zion. So why is he doing that? Well, because God's people have forsaken the Lord. They have been unfaithful. And Isaiah 29, he says, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And so even though this is Israel, the people of God, and they have all of the worship, their hearts are far from God. They are not living with love for God and obeying his commands. So God has to bring the judgment upon them. Now, I, I mentioned that verse because you probably are familiar with how Jesus also says that about the Pharisees. The Pharisees honor God with their lips, but their hearts are far from him. And so Jesus is saying that the problem of Israel in his day is the same problem in Isaiah's day. Uh, and so that's why I'm interpreting it as the judgment that comes upon Israel ultimately comes upon when they reject Christ. Um, because Jesus himself says, you're just like Isaiah, God's going to do what he said he would do. Or you're just like Isaiah said, uh, so God's going to do what he said he would do through Isaiah. So God's judgment on the city is coming. It comes when they reject Christ. But then we also see that God preserves the city. So this is the second truth about Zion. God preserves the city. So let's look at chapter 29. Isaiah 
Here he uses a nickname Ariel. Um, Ariel could mean uh, Lion of God, but it's the nickname for Jerusalem. But uh, in chapter 29, uh, I'll just read verses 7 to 8. The multitude of all the nations that fight against Ariel, all that fight against her and her stronghold and distress her, shall be like a dream, a vision of the night. As when a hungry man dreams he is eating and awakes with his hunger not satisfied, when a thirsty man dreams he is drinking and awakens faint with his thirst not quenched, so shall the multitude of all the nations be that fight against Mount Zion. So you see here he's making the point the nations can come and fight against Zion, but they are not going to win. I'll ask you this question. Uh, when does this happen? And there can be more than one answer, <laughs> more than one right answer. Armageddon, okay, so at the end, sure, could be. Were you gonna, okay. Um, last week, Okay, so it's happening always. <laughs> yeah. What about last week? What did we remember the story of last week? Hezekiah. So Sennacherib. Sennacherib is surrounding Jerusalem and God delivers. So I think in a, in a literal sense for the city of Jerusalem, it did happen multiple times that God protected Jerusalem. But as we would apply it to ourselves, we would apply this to the people of God, right? And so the church is being protected by, by God as the enemies, the nations come to attack the church. It's not gonna work. So God preserves the city. Um, and then God restores, and we'll t talk about how restoration of the city, like in chapter 65, is restoration of the whole world. So go back to chapter 11. Uh, chapter 11. Verse uh, 9. We'll just read verse 9. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So I think I already said this, but the, the holy mountain, they shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, is describing everything, all of the earth. The earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord. And so... Zion is the, the picture, the, the holy mountain of God is the picture of that. Okay, so the four truths about Zion, we're on the, this, uh, the first one is God's judgment. Second, God's preservation and restoration. Uh, third is Isaiah talks about the security that we have in Zion. And so I think this is important for us as Christians. So chapter 14 Chapter 14, um, verse 32. 
Uh, Isaiah 14, 32. What will one answer the messengers of the nation? The Lord has founded Zion, and in her the afflicted of his people find refuge. Where do you find refuge? Where will you be safe? The afflicted of God's people find refuge in Zion. Uh, You need to belong to the people of God, belong to Zion. There you will find refuge. The nations attack, but you'll be safe as long as you are a citizen of Zion. And then one more verse in chapter 28. Chapter 28, verse 16. Isaiah 28, 16, Therefore thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am the one who has laid as a foundation in Zion a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone of a sure foundation. Whoever believes in me will not be in haste. Uh, Another way to uh, think of that, and it's quoted in the New Testament, Whoever believes in me will not be put to shame. God has founded Zion on the cornerstone. Jesus Christ, we know, is the cornerstone. And so you will either stumble on the cornerstone, the stone will make you fall if you reject Christ, but if you believe in Christ, if you trust Christ and follow him, you will not be put to shame. You will be part of the city that God will preserve. So our security is only found in Zion. Number four, the last, the last main truth about Zion is that this is central to God's plan. This is what's central to God's plan in the world. So we'll just look at one passage in chapter 62. Chapter 62. Uh, it would be great to read the whole chapter, but we're not, we can't do that. So verse one. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not be quiet. Until her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation as a burning torch. So for whose sake? For whose sake does God work in the world? For whose sake does God act? And for whose sake is he doing everything that he's doing? It's for Zion's sake. For Zion's sake, God is going to make sure that his righteousness, his saving work and establishing justice on the earth is going to go forth in the world. And then uh, go down to verse 6 and 7. So same chapter, verse 6. On your walls, O Jerusalem, I have set watchmen. All the day and all the night they shall never be silent. You who put the Lord in remembrance, take no rest and give him no rest until he establishes Jerusalem and makes it a praise in the earth. So this is God's goal. He's going to establish Jerusalem, not the physical Jerusalem, but the people of God, Zion. He's going to establish Jerusalem to be a praise and in the earth. So 
He says, give him no rest. He's set watchmen on the walls. He's set his people to pray, to call out to him. Uh, that's, that's what I think this verse is telling us to do. Put the Lord in remembrance. So we are to go before God over and over again and say, God, remember, remember your goal is to establish Jerusalem and make her a praise in all the earth. Remember your church. We pray for our church. We pray for the nations. We pray for the gospel to go out. We give him no rest. Pray, pray, and pray, and pray. But we can do it with confidence. We do it with hope because we know this is God's plan. This is what God is doing in the earth. All the stuff that's happening, all the stuff that's happening in your life, all the stuff that's happening in our country, in the world, all of it is establishing Jerusalem. It is all for the good of the people of God. It's all for God's glory among the nations. So that's the theme of Zion. I want to finish with just a few reminders, uh, maybe some ways that you can apply this. Um, First of all, I think what Isaiah teaches us is that we won't face the judgment that Zion faced if we belong to Christ. You don't have to be afraid of how God is going to come and purge you with fire. Um, Those who are in Christ, we are not the Israel of Isaiah's day. We aren't the Pharisees of Jesus' day. Those are the people who rejected Christ. Those are the people whose hearts were far from him. If you trust in Christ, you should know that what God says about Zion is true about you, where he says, I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. God doesn't look at you and say, oh, your heart's too far from me. I'm going to send my fire. He, He says, I rejoice in you. I am glad in my people because you belong to Christ. So Isaiah is full of hard-hitting judgment, but that judgment is for people who have rejected God. It's not for Christians. Another thing to remember is, uh, maybe you know the song, Marching to Zion. You know that song? We're marching to Zion. Remember that we are marching to Zion. And so Paul says in 2 Timothy 4, he says, There is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord will award to me. And then he says, And not only to me, but to all who loved his appearing. That's his description of a Christian. To all who loved his appearing. We should love his appearing. We should love that Christ will come back, that Christ will return, that God is going to do what he says in Isaiah 65 and 66. He is going to establish his new heavens and new earth. We should love his appearing. Uh, Psalm 84 says, Blessed are those in whose heart are the highways to Zion. Blessed are those in whose heart are the highways to Zion. Uh, 
in your heart do you love Zion? Can you not wait to get to Zion? Are you looking forward, traveling on your journey to Zion? Uh, So let's uh, pray. Let's ask for God's help. Lord, we thank you for your plan. Thank you that uh, you are establishing your praise in all the earth. And we can only praise you for your grace that you bring us in that you have made us who have placed our faith in Christ, you have made us one of your people and citizens of Zion. We thank you for the security that we have in Zion. We thank you that you rejoice in your people. And we pray that in our hearts would be the highways to Zion, that we would look forward to all of this happening, that we would live our lives because of it. We pray that as we worship you, Uh, in a few minutes and come together as your church that uh, we would see that you are glad in your people and you make Jerusalem to be a joy and that we would know your joy over us as we then respond in praising you. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.